Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I still haven't been able to watch the second season of Santa Clarita Diet. Last week on the show, I posted the panel that we recorded live at Dragon Con last year about the first season and it was a great, great panel. I, I told you then how much I loved it. I love the show. Uh, I actually watched it twice in its entirety last year, and I just haven't been able to watch the second season yet. I worked all weekend, and uh, and part of it is it's something that me and the missus both enjoy, so we're waiting for our schedules to sort of line up so we can watch it together. Uh, which we don't always do because we like a lot of the same things, but our taste does not always converge. Uh, for instance, the Marvel Netflix shows, she seems to enjoy watching the first three episodes and then nothing after that, which works out for me because then I can uh, you know, come down here in the Phantom Zone and just binge all the way through in like one sitting. Maybe not one sitting, but not more than two. Uh, which sometimes is tough, was not tough with the second season of Jessica Jones, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It uh, To me, it wasn't as strong as the first season. A lot of people seem to think the second season's better. I think it was really good, and I, I, I'm not going to spoil anything because I know some people haven't watched it yet, and, and there's really no reason to, but I'll just say that it was it was an interesting difference in the way that everything went down and I still love those characters and I think that one of the benefits that Jessica Jones has for me personally is that it's not a superhero show as much to me like Daredevil and Iron Fist and and Defenders and Punisher I really know those characters pretty well, and I'm expecting a certain amount of superheroics and action and whatever else. And it's a TV show, and they have to maintain drama, and for some reason they decided they have to have 13 episodes. So it's just not going to be exactly what I want, even if they're still very good. Whereas Jessica Jones, I had never, I had no experience with the character. I was familiar with her, but I had no experience with the character prior to the show. So going into the show, I was basically just expecting a PI show. And it was that and so much more. So so that show, to me, is delivering much more than what I expected from it, whereas the other shows aren't quite giving me what I want. Uh, so and, and actually, I think Luke Cage, maybe, is the one that most successfully delivered on what I expected from that character in his world. Uh, but I'm not here today to talk about Marvel's Netflix shows or Netflix's Marvel shows or however you want to put it. No, no, today is that episode, ladies and gentlemen, that I've been talking about for a while. It got delayed by a week because uh, the timing just worked out for last week's episode. But it is here Ladies and gentlemen, today I talk to Missy Suicide, the woman that started SuicideGirls.com, which is a titan 
of pop culture relevance. Now, this is an interesting one for me because obviously uh, amongst you, the listeners, there could be a wide range of feelings about Suicide Girls, and I'm not going to get into any of that right now. All I'm going to say is that I'm a dude. I've been following that site since 2002 when it started, and I think it's great for many, many different reasons. Yes, obviously for the ones that you're thinking of, but it's so much more than that. You know, if if you've never been to the site, you don't know what it is. Uh, it is a community. It is not, uh, you know, it, it's it's not just cheesecake and and gratuitousness. It it is a community of artists and interesting, cool people. And I dig it, and that's the bottom line. And when I thought that I had the opportunity to have you know someone from the site on the show, I, I I went after it. Little did I know I would end up talking to Missy, who started the site. I, I, I certainly my uh, far far exceeded my expectations for what might happen with this episode. So the point. How all this started is Suicide Girls has a tour, a live tour called the Suicide Girls Black Heart Burlesque Tour. Now, I saw their first tour before it was even called Black Heart Burlesque years ago. Uh, we talk about it on the show, and I can't remember now what year it was. Uh, it might have been like 2003 or something. But anyway, I saw that first show, uh, very punk rock, very... Uh, Gritty's not the right word, but it was very obvious they were they were trying it out. They were figuring out what the format was and what they could do and how to do it. And it was really this cool like I, I'd never seen anything like it before. It was it was such an interesting place uh, space to be in uh, at that show, and it's really cool. I mean, honestly, it's one of the coolest live events I've ever seen. Because at the time, you know, this was before Lucha Vavum. This was before any of the, you know, this is before the nerd burlesque got started at all in America. I mean, if you think about it, if you go back to then, this is before the nerd renaissance that has happened in our culture. This is prior to Iron Man. This is, uh, this is early years, you guys. So, it was really wild to see these beautiful tattooed women on stage uh, doing all these pop culture things. And like I said, Missy and I talk about it in the show a little bit, so you'll you'll hear what some of the acts were, which I didn't even remember. But I, th- this has been, I mean, this site has been a part of my life for a very long time now, and it's, it's a very, very cool thing. And I don't talk about it much uh, just because, you know, I'm... I'm old, and I was brought up in the 80s, and my parents are old, and they grew up in the 50s, and uh, unfortunately, there's still that, in my head, that taboo about sexuality, so it's something that doesn't come up a whole lot here on the show, uh, and, and yes, there there is the game show, but that, that's a whole other thing. As far as just conversational, real-life stuff... Uh, it's it's not something I delve into too much, and you know maybe that's going to change in the coming years. Oh, and by the way, uh, yeah, this is uh, this this episode has 
I wouldn't say adult content, but we are discussing something that that is adult content. So just be aware of that. And honestly, though, if you're letting your kids listen to the Needless Things podcast, uh, you all might need to go see some sort of specialist. Uh, so anyway, I think that's all I've got for you today by way of intro. I'm excited to get to this interview. Uh, we had a great time talking. I do have to tell you, though, that Xfinity did their best to make this as hard as it could be. I don't want to say to make it not happen because uh, I've got to give a huge shout out to uh, Aurora who coordinated all of this stuff between me and Missy. Uh, Tons of emails back and forth, figuring out timing and everything else. At one point, my schedule changed. At one point, Missy's schedule changed. Uh, And it was all, it was a lot of things happened, but it was all as easy and streamlined as it could possibly be. So big thanks to Aurora for, for being an amazing, uh, scheduler, uh, coordinator. I'm not exactly sure what the term is, but, but she was absolutely tremendous. And, uh, halfway through this interview, my cable, just everything went out. My cable went out, uh, my my Wi-Fi, my signal, my internet, blah, everything just went out. And unfortunately, I am far too reliant, or at least I was far too reliant on Skype. So once that was gone, that was it. So we conducted the first portion of this interview over Skype uh, one day. And then it, it was immediately we rescheduled are scheduled for a second day to just talk on the phone and record and not even worry about Skype. So I I went through apps. I figured out a phone recorder so I could record the phone call. And you'll notice the second half of the interview, the audio quality is not as good. Uh, It's still fine. And and there's no, uh, it just sounds different from from what you're used to hearing but it's it's there it's it's very very listenable it's fine you'll just notice about halfway through uh well you <laughs> you'll definitely notice because i left in where we got disconnected because it's kind of funny it's a little bit of a chuckle for me the way it went down even though at the time i thought i was gonna have a freaking heart attack because we were having this great interview uh that was very important to me and then it starts cutting out and you never like that uh but anyway it's a great interview. You're going to enjoy it. Missy is awesome. She has so many great stories from the past 16 years of doing what she's been doing. And if you sit down and think about what she's accomplished from starting this website, uh, her story is amazing and awesome, and you're going to hear it right now. So here you go, guys. Missy Suicide on the Needless Things podcast. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? Ready to go. You've been ready for a minute now, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I've checked my email. I'm all caught up on the Instagram. All, good- <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Missy Suicide, welcome to the Needless Things podcast. Thank you. Uh, I, I, we're we're going to get right down to it. What I normally do is uh, when I'm doing an interview... I like to talk about how I first discovered the the artist or musician or whatever it was, and this is a little different scenario, so 
I'm going to real quick just talk about Suicide Girls and how in sometime in 2002, because that's how long I've been a member, uh, I found the site. Oh, yeah, yeah. Long time now. And I still remember the days when you could look at all of the galleries, like, in a short amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you have changed so much then uh, as a site, as a social media presence, as an impact on pop culture. And I just, before we talk specifically about the Blackheart Burlesque Show, which is going to be here in Atlanta on April the 14th, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the history of the site uh, and and start with how did this happen? I mean, well, you've been a member since before social media was a thing. Right. Suicide mean, <laughs> Girls started as a social media site in 2001. So that was before Friendster, before MySpace, before Facebook, before, before Twitter, before Tumblr, before any of that. Um. And, you know, the Internet at the time was a space for, like, you know, if you shared your personal details, the Internet was was crawling with uh, perverts and serial killers. And so nobody would share their thoughts and feelings. And so everybody thought that I was insane, that I was, like, creating a site where people could share their thoughts and feelings and connect with one another around the world. Um, And so thank you for taking that leap of faith with us. Um, But uh, Well, well, from the beginning, it has felt very safe as opposed to a lot of uh other places you can go online (laughs) yes even google is not safe (laughs) Uh, yeah um but uh but yeah i wanted to create a space that um that will a space where i could do i could be appreciated for being myself and, and and um i could create a space where i could um I could find people and friends that that felt the same way that I did, um, that didn't think that uh, a woman's body was something that they had to be ashamed of, that um, they had geekier leanings, you know, people that were interested in different sorts of culture. Like, it, it was really created so that um, the people that were in the niche subculture that, that I frequently frequented that um, that we could all come together and find a place to to not be the outsiders in our small towns, but to be um, to to feel like like we're not alone out there. Well, and that's the other thing is is not only does Suicide Girls predate what we know it to be social media today; it also predates the the boom of geek culture. Um, yeah. you were doing this long before you know the superhero movies were a thing, and every t- every ch- TV channel had a science fiction lineup. And I mean, th- this was everything. I-, I think every step of the way, you've been very cutting edge. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's great that the interest that the things that interest me <laughs> tend, are, are gaining recognition and popularity now. You know, like they're um, they're getting to be. Uh, things that, that people appreciate and like even the concepts of like you know, like women's rights and being empowered by your body instead of ashamed of it and you know there there's all these uh it, it's like every every concept that um that we've worked on has um has has been validated in some sense so it's 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 a kind of a rewarding time in my life to, to be uh, for for what I've been working on for the past seventeen years. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. Even even predating the the current, uh, you know, everything that's going on with equality, because not only were you empowering women, you were empowering all kinds of women. Uh, you you know, you were breaking racial barriers that were very much in place online at the time. Uh, you know, all different kinds of girls were on the site. Uh, definitely, you were at the forefront of a lot of changes in in pop culture and society. How what what was your background? How, what what was your experience as far as oh I'm going to start a website because especially back then it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. It wasn't, um, but I I my career at, up until that point like I was 23 when I started the site, but um, up until that point like I had had um, I had worked on a bunch of like huge internet startups um, and uh, I was frustrated by the sexism that um, that I was sort of faced with. And also, like, because I would go from, like, one dude bro startup, like, where everybody was, like, young and excited about everything. And, um, you know, there was, like, this culture of, um, of uh, I, don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but um, it was, uh, it was definitely a, uh, a trying time to be <laughs> a woman who was sure. excited, it, but it, but at the same time, it was full of energy and full of excitement and full of like you can do anything, sort of. You know, like it was, it was, it was kind of it was the best of times and the worst of times to to be um, in in the internet industry because you know, like it was so new that that any idea that you had you could find funding and do it, you know, like it was, I mean, like I worked at Scour, which was like Napster for um, any known file extension, you know, and like that was funded by Ron Burkle, who's like, you know, one of the major like, like VCs. Um, But it, um, so I went, I was working at all these different like startups and then I, I, the dot-com bubble burst and um, I found myself at, through a series of, acquisitions and reacquisitions at a brick and mortar um, running their web entity and uh, was faced with uh, severe sexism and I just said fuck you can I swear? Oh absolutely (laughs) Sorry Um, You can be as blue as you want (laughs) Um, I was in a meeting one day and uh, had my uh, the person that the suit and tie that I was explaining it to didn't understand the concept that I was trying to, to get across and asked my male subordinate to explain it to him. And then was like, Oh yeah, okay, let's do it. And it was, so I just said, fuck you and walked out and kind of blew up my whole life. Wow. <laughs> um, and, um, moved to Portland and was in this space where I was like, I just want to go back to school for photography and I came across Bunny Yeager's photos of Betty Page, and there was just something about like the female gaze and how beautiful and um, uh, natural, you know, a woman looking at another woman, um, and like it, it kind of like honored her in a way. Um, and I, I wanted to do something similar with my photography, and so I started taking photos of um, my friends that were like alternative or goth or whatever. Mm-hmm. How you want to describe it, um, punk rock. And, um, you know, I was treating them with the same level of, like, respect and beauty. And, like, um, before when you would look at, like, pictures of, like, 
girls with like different different uh, interests than like you know playboy models um they would be shot in like this very harsh lighting like in usually like bdsm sort of like scenarios and stuff and the the pictures that i took were girls like in a very they were like girls but you know like alternative girls but they were in a very like natural setting um and you know like waking up in the morning or doing things that that everybody does (laughs) and um and so i i they they were just different than what was what was out there um and uh, i created a site where i was like you know i i desperately need friends and people that like, can connect to me and like and so i created a site that uh to, to show off my photography and just to see if there was anybody out there it was kind of like an if they if you build it they will come sort of scenario mm-hmm. where it was like and I'm just going to build this and see what happens. And, um, you know, it, it, it all worked out. <laughs> Luckily people, people did appreciate the, the images and they, they did appreciate the women. And it's become this sort of this, uh, sorority of like, like-minded women from around the world and, and the people that appreciate them. And it's, it's become this really important community, um, to myself, but also to like thousands of other women. Like it's, by by creating a space for myself, it's created a space for um, thousands of other women to um, to do what they love for a living as well. Like we've got performers and artists and um, photographers and um, you know uh, lingerie designers and cut out for just a second are you still there i'm still here yeah okay i'm just gonna make a little time note um so you know not only did you create a space for uh you to express yourself artistically and to sort of draw in like-minded people but over the years like you said you've emboldened really a whole generation of women to embrace aspects of themselves that society probably otherwise you know wouldn't have given them them the opportunity to to appreciate about themselves or to express yeah and they get and that they don't have to fit into the like the standard sort of like job things that they can create a space for themselves that they can they can be entrepreneurs they can like figure out what they what what they're passionate about and do it and that's you know what uh what really will hopefully make society thrive so people are happy and passionate about what they're doing well and i i think that's an important part of of how we're evolving as a a society and and culturally in america is sort of getting that exposure out there and and showing the public like look these people are into these things and and over time it sort of becomes normalized it sort of becomes like okay tattoos are i mean because at this point uh you know who doesn't have tattoos but back in 2002 it was still kind of a, a a not quite a taboo but it was still in that territory uh but you know as time has gone on it's a way to artistically express yourself and and uh there's so many different things that it's a matter of regular people understanding 
oh, this is just a thing that people do. This is an interest like any other thing. Like, I watch football. This person plays D&D. That's just what we do. It's no big deal. And, and I think Suicide Girls has been an important part of that cultural shift. Uh, so when you, when you started, because the site has always been uh, very easy to navigate, easy to understand, and I know there have been a couple of, and, and obviously you're going to know this better than I do, to my memory there have been two big, big changes to the site. I think there was one where the aesthetics of the site changed uh, in a really big way, and then the second one that I'm thinking of, and I think these were two separate things, was when you really incorporated a more social media aspect um, to to where the groups and everything, because I don't know when the groups were introduced, but I do remember when they kind of came to the forefront and you had more of a homepage with your interests and your groups and your connections. Like, over over time, you have upgraded the site but it's been very timely. Like, it wasn't like Facebook hit, and then five years later, Suicide Girls became more of a social media thing. Like, you've you've managed to stay on top of, or ahead of the curve, I feel like. What goes yeah. into, like, at what point do you decide, we need, to, we need to change this thing, we need to make it better, and what kind of work goes into that? Um, well... The first iteration of Suicide Girls actually had a feed. Like, so it would be a friend's feed, but it would be, um, it was like, it was a feed. And it was in 2001, um, kind of like your Facebook feed, but much lower tech. Um, but uh, yeah, we've had a number of different um, iterations. And it's, it's, a, it's a huge uh, technical, technical and uh and uh, resource <laughs> um, shift. It takes about a year every time we re- we redo things, um, just because it's it's such a process. But um, uh, you know, my business partner Sean, who's been who started the, the company with me, um, he's an amazing UI person, and so he's uh, that's his like his jam is making sure that everything is like super usable. Um, and so uh, we have. Uh, we have just been iterating the site ever, like, since the beginning. And, you know, it's kind of like Steve Jobs uh, leaves early and, and revise often. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> mantra. So we released the site and have been revising it ever since. It's, it's always in an, it's in, in an evolutionary state. Now, since the beginning, you, you talked about the kinds of, of- quality you were interested in presenting uh you know not not the grainy uh back room or harsh lighting or whatever but you there have been uh very specific standards as far as the photography that's presented how did you decide like okay we're we're not this we're we're going to present a certain level of uh i guess boudoir I don't know how to describe that, but you, like you, you, you know, we're we're not going to go here. We are going to present this level of sexuality, I guess. How did you like that? Because that had to be a process to determine where that line was going to be. I mean, kind of, but it it really hasn't changed since the beginning. I mean, our my initial mantra was that I wanted to create images that 
the girls, how the girls felt sexiest about themselves. Like, I wanted to kind of be their mirror and reflect back to them how they felt sexiest about themselves and, like, you know, an even sexier, more empowered version of, of you know, like, the idyllic version of, of how they feel sexy about themselves. And, um, you know, that, that was always the most important thing to me. And, um, and you know, the, the cameras, the technology has evolved quite a bit since... 2001. I mean, like, the, the phone camera is better now than the, like, huge fancy camera that I had back then. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as far as the, the messaging behind what the photos are supposed to represent, it's, it's always been about how the girls feel sexiest about themselves. So when people, um, you know, criticize a certain theme or a certain something, it's like, well, that, that particular girl felt that that was how she feels sexy and that's what gives her confidence and what makes her feel um, beautiful. And so, you know, it's like, I, I really can't say what, you know, I, I can't, uh, I feel like it's, I, I don't know, like it's not for me to judge what, what, how somebody else feels sexy about themselves. Sure, sure. Well, and that's what's brought such a wide range of, you know, everything from cosplay to uh, sort of ironing in the morning to whatever else. It's this amazing range of of activities and visuals and and women. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, everything from uh, Marie, who, like, she was one of the early suicide girls who had her face tattooed and, like, um, you know, she had, like, this Bjork bun hairdo and, like... Um, had this sort of like killer um, punk rock aesthetic, and um, to like Jessica Lou, who's like you know, had had no tattoos and was just um, like natural and you know shot sets in bed and such. So you've embraced a, a wide range of female representation, uh, but in that time. You know, you you are running a business, and you've also had these sort of crossovers with other mainstream things. And and it's funny the timing on this because I just started watching Californication. <laughs> uh, I I had never watched it before, mainly because I couldn't stand the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. That's just personal <laughs> taste, uh, which has nothing to do with the show. I now realize, but. On Californication, the first two seasons, Suicide Girls plays a huge role in that show. How did how did that happen? Um, well, the creator of the show um, was inspired by Al's set, her nun set, and like the actual opening scene of the um, of the entire series was uh, uh, David Duchovny going into this like church and seeing this nun in this uh, latex habit, and like uh, Al actually has the cross. <laughs> between her her like uh, labia piercings and so, but they couldn't obviously go that far. But like that was what inspired the whole openings of the, of the series. Oh wow! And um, and he he really wanted one of the girl the um, Runkle's assistant to be a suicide girl, and so I actually went to to the set and shot a set of her. So and in the first se- season, I don't know which episode, but. Um, they go through and like they find the set on the on the computer and like actually see the photo set on the website on the like in the show, which was super fun. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, it was wild because you know typically. Are you still there? I am. Can you hear me? No. Uh oh. So we left off talking about Californication. Oh yeah. And how that came about, uh, how you visited the set, and that's pretty much where Comcast said, you guys are done. Decided to fuck us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now, uh, with, with beautiful, crystal clear cellular sound, uh, let's pick up with uh, <laughs> your your visit to the set and, and what went down there. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. I got to meet David Duchovny. I got to take uh, pictures of, um, of uh, Rachel Minor. It was it was kind of a dream come true, you know, and it was so, it was, it was just awesome to be, um, a part of, of that world for even a day, you know? Well, and it's funny watching this show because I, I, I was, you know, I liked the X-Files back when it was on, but mm-hmm. Hank Moody, I think is the character that Duchovny was born to play. Like, Right. Uh, my gosh. I mean, uh, to, he immediately, like within a few episodes was just an iconic, TV personality uh, to yeah. me. So that went down the first couple of seasons uh, of the show had uh, suicide girls played a, a pretty heavy part, or at least the character representing them. And what was interesting to me is, you know, a lot of shows nowadays, if you see something like that, it would have been like murder chicks with a reference that was like an analog, you know, they wouldn't have, have bothered working with you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that, that that opportunity actually came up and that it was the, I, I believe you said it was the showrunner that actually wanted you involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that was also like working with Showtime um, that they were able to, to have the latitude to like reach out to us and, um, and, uh, utilize, you know, like our actual brand and like, it, it was, it was super cool. Now you guys was working with Showtime. You had already, uh, done the deal where they were showing the specials that you had done about the first tour and everything that had already come about. Yeah. They, um, they have aired seven of our, of our movies, um, which was pretty, I can't even believe that we've done seven, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we did that. And then we also, we were on an episode of CSI New York, which was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's like a, their production schedule is insane, right? Yeah. But I mean, like playing myself on CBS television was nuts. (laughs) That had to be kind of surreal. Yeah. I mean, I was awful. I had to redub my lines because <laughs> I couldn't say them properly in the first part of it. But, um, but yeah. Well, had you ever so done? Had you ever done any kind of acting or anything though? <laughs> no. Well, there you go. And and in general, I'm I'm a bit better now, but I'm terrible at interviews, and especially like when it has to be like like conversation interviews. I can have conversation, but like. And it's like soundbite, 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 you know, like, like, uh, sort of like e news or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm the worst. So, um, it was really hard to, to act and to be like, say your line. And I'm like, I can't remember what my line was. <laughs> well, and you, one of the specials 
was, I think maybe it was for the relaunch a few years ago where it, and I haven't watched this one, but they followed you. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. yeah. What kind of adjustment was that to your life to realize like, Oh, I'm going to do all the stuff I do, except there's cameras. I mean, that was tough too, but I mean, that was, it was a little, it was, that was tough, but it was, I, I didn't have like set lines or set cues. Like I could right. just go in and say what I was going to say, you know, like I need this or, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but, but, but still a big uh, added factor that you weren't used to. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, you guys also have worked uh, with comic books a good bit. Uh, the the first thing that I remember was Hack Slash, uh, Tim Seeley's creation. That yeah, um, Cassie Hack is a suicide girl. Yes, she has a set on the site and stuff. Yeah, which is wild uh, because the the I remember the hype from previews was that Suicide Girls were going to appear in one of the annuals, uh, but then you guys took it a step further and actually put up a photo set featuring uh, Cassie Hack uh, as drawn by Tim Seeley. How did how did that all work out? Like, what were the what conversations there? Um, so Tim uh, was a member and a fan, and um, he came into the office and. We just started talking, and uh, he, it was about the same time as Californication. Um, and uh, we started talking, and we loved his work and stuff. And so we were like, "What can we do?" And you know, and I was like, "Can Cassie become a suicide girl?" And he was like, "Yeah, she can." <laughs> so I was like, "All right." Um, and you know, I was like, "I'd love to have a um, an illustrated suicide girl. I think that would be awesome." Um, and it would be an honor to have Cassie be the first. And so um, he made it happen, and he he did an amazing job um, at the laundromat. And, like, the set is, is set in the laundromat, and, like, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's you know, great. It was... That that year we were at the Devil's Due booth um, at Comic-Con, and... Uh, it was it was crazy to see the response. Like everybody was so excited. Um, it was uh, because some of the Suicide Girls also appeared in the Hack Slash episode, or in the Hack Hack Slash. Uh, it's not called an episode. It's a the annual issue. Yeah, issue, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a super fun um, thing. And then after that, we did our own comic book. Yes. Um, Cameron Stewart and um, Brea Grant and Steve Niles. Um, and it was our um, our own little story. Um, it had, I think it had four issues. Yeah, I think that's right. It was a, a little it was comic a, book. Yeah, it was a miniseries from IDW. And I think you can still buy the collection also. You can on oh I don't I don't know if we can if you can on our site I think issue one might be sold out but okay I know yeah. it's on I know it's on Amazon still mm. excellent yeah so um it's been you know we're big fans of comic book and geek culture and um, that's what you know the burlesque tour is is uh, all about is like celebrating geek culture and like um making it 
sexy and fun and um it's uh, it's kind of a reimagined um you know like uh we take game of thrones you know things with obvious like strong female characters but we also take like rick and morty and um you know like even adventure time has like you know really strong female characters and um there's uh fifth element and um uh we've got a, a handmaid's tale one that we're really excited about that will be appearing on some of the some of the, the dates as well oh very cool very cool that's mm-hmm. i'm i'm looking at a post here uh from my Suicide Girls account. It's from Thursday, January 29th, 2004. And <laughs> it was posted the night I got back from, I don't know if it was the first tour or if you guys, because it wasn't Blackheart Burlesque. It was a burlesque okay. show. Yeah. We had a burlesque show that we did. That was It was like more loose. It was more like just, uh, it didn't, it wasn't themed and it wasn't as like rigidly choreographed and didn't have as many like group choreographed numbers and, and all that. Um, it was just more like, um, it was like an earlier iteration of it. We had some themed numbers, like we had a, um, a number from Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. um, where Mr. White cuts off the cop's ear. <laughs> oh, that's right. I completely, cause I was sitting here trying to remember exactly well, I know I had a good time, but I, I couldn't remember exactly what had been done, it was still the pop culture stuff. But yeah, like you said, I think it was more individual acts. It was a little more of a traditional, like one girl comes out, does her thing. And now it's time for the next one. Yeah. I mean, our big group number was a South park kind of theme number, the chocolate salty balls. <laughs> they <covered laughs> That's themselves right. Themselves oh my gosh. Sauce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh wow! Uh, local bands played too, which was cool. Like it, it, it was a very, yeah. um, it was a cool, fun night, and and it would definitely had the feel of like, oh, we've had this idea for this thing, and we're gonna, we're gonna see how it goes. Yeah, it was definitely more of a like punk rock experiment, sort of like a loose burlesque show, um, and this one is much more like well thought out and organized, and like you know, this is you know, everybody's favorites, you know, Rick and Morty or, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's more organized and more, um, it's it's a different ride. Where did the idea to do a a tour like this come from? Like back, back then, what was this your, your thought? Like, well, we can, we can tour this thing. We have a lot of girls with talent. We have a lot of girls that, that do different things. Let's put on a show and travel around. Like, how did that happen? Um, well, we had been doing, we, we wanted to reinvent classic burlesque in the same way that, that we had, um, redone, um, classic pinup photos, um, with our modern twist to them. Um, we wanted to have the same sexy spirit, um, as, uh, as classic burlesque, um, but put a, um, you know, put a more uh, a new a new face on it, and um, and so we uh, we um, we redid the um, we we've been doing a night in Portland where the site was started in like as far back as like two thousand like probably six months after we started the site um, 
we'd started doing a night in Portland um, weekly, and the girls would come and do, um, you know, like Easter Bunny themes, or <laughs> or like <laughs> um, would just they would you know cover themselves in baby oil and uh, glitter, and like they would just have like more um, uh, more avant garde performances. Um, and so we were doing that at, in Portland, um, and we decided that uh, there was, um, we did it for the one-year anniversary party, um, and there was a, a club promoter who watched the video, which in 2002 was, that was a, a hefty feat to let that load <laughs> and, um, and sit through the whole thing. Um, um, and he he was like, oh my God, I love this. We have to have this, you know, play at my club in Florida. And so we came out and we played the club in Florida. And um, he was like, you know, you, you guys should, t- we, we got the idea that we should tour it. Um, and uh, so we put together a tour and it was very punk rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no idea what we were doing. Um, <laughs> we'd never done a tour before. We'd never, you know, like... It, and it's it's different than touring like a band because like and you have the same set you can rehearse and like have the same songs and it was it was uh, much more loosey goosey um, but it was fun I mean we toured in a van and it was it was it was crazy times <laughs> um, well, there had to be a lot of learning going on. Like as to, oh, I didn't realize doing this kind of show, we were going to need this. Like it, it, because I love, I love doing new things. I love trying new things. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's not as much about like, I want to have fun, but it's about, man, what did I learn from doing this thing? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it's definitely a learning experience. And now, you know, like almost 15 years, we took, we took a break after 2007 um, the tour that we did in 2007, we took like a, like a five-year break, um, just because we got enmeshed in other projects like the book and, um, the movies and, and all of that. Um, but, um, we have learned so much and we're so much better at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now (laughs) we put on a better show. The audience has more fun. The girls have more fun. The performers have more fun. Um, it's, 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 um, better organized. Everybody has, um, has, uh, their lives and it's, uh, it's, um, it's much, you know, like one of the lessons that we learned was that you have to have like more than, than the exact number of performers trained, you know, because mm-hmm. stuff happens on the road. Like yeah. girls break their foot or there's get sick or they have emergencies back at home or whatever it is. So you can't be tied to the exact number of performers. And that's like, that was a huge lesson that took us far too long to learn. <laughs> but, um, but now we have, um, multiple girls and, um, Actually, one of our uh, one of the girls uh, that she's been dancing for four years. She she choreographs the show now, and so it's 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 been a really fun um, fun evolution to um, to have to have the, the 
the tour become more and more, um, uh, you know, like initially we were being booked through an agency and like we, um, we had tour promoters that were, you know, a large company and like now we do it all, all ourselves. Um, so we've just, we've learned over the years how, how things work and, um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, like our tour manager is a suicide girl. Our merch girl is a suicide girl. Um, the girl that does all of our promo is a suicide girl. You know, it, it's the girl that choreographs the show is a suicide girl. You know, like it's it's been an amazing um, transition to like to be able to take on all of the all of it internally and, and have this um, have this. Uh, well oiled machine. Well, and I think it took a long time. <laughs> I, I think that presents a better product too when everybody involved has ownership in it. Yeah, and they all they all love it. They all you know they're all um, so happy to do it and like go out and like they appreciate going out and meeting um, all of the the amazing fans and and girls on the road and you know it gives them an opportunity, you know, some of the dancers and the tour manager and the merch girl and stuff have, um, have, have met girls, you know, over the years that they've been touring now in different cities. And so they have friends in all these different cities. And so when they get to go back and see everything and, um, see everybody, it's, it's a lot better. Now, how does the recruiting go about for the show? Cause you, you've got your hosts, um, I think Catherine and Sonny, uh, have have done a lot of them, but but as far as sort of rotating acts out, I mean, do you have a regular crew? How, how is it determined? Like, okay, you have an act, or you're part of an act. You're part of the tour. Let's do this. Um, so we we hold auditions, um, and we've had auditions in New York, LA, Arizona. We, um, London. Um, so we had a bunch of different um, auditions, and we had we have an amazing group of girls. We have seventeen girls this this tour that are all trained and rehearsed, and um, they're all living in the SG house <laughs> up until <laughs> yesterday. Um, but because uh, they have a little break before the tour starts, um, but it was it was it's been it's been a, a a great journey. I mean, that's the other thing. Like when we first started, we had like, you know, one alternate and like, that was it. And it was so tense and nervous and nerve wracking. And like, now I feel like we've, uh, we've really perfected, um, perfected the tour and like, you know, it's a lot more fun and, you know, there's, there are more girls and there's more, um, it's just, there's, everybody's so excited to be out on tour this time. So the tour will be in Atlanta on April the 14th. And it's, again, I haven't seen it in 14 years now. So I'm really excited about checking out the, how it's evolved and what's going to be happening. Uh, you dropped some of the pop culture references a little while ago, but what, what sort without spoiling any surprises, what kind of things can we expect from, from this show? It's, um, there's a lot more singing this time. The girls sing a lot more. Um, the, uh, they're super 
it's 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 super sexy, fun, um, fun performance. That the sound like the soundtrack is awesome, and uh, we've got the the um, the playlist up on our Spotify account, so you can listen to it afterwards. Like you can listen to it bef- beforehand, but then that might give give some stuff away. So I, I recommend listening to it afterwards, um, so you can keep the the um, the love going. You want to you want to treat it like a Star Wars or Marvel soundtrack. You don't want to listen to it before you see the movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, the girls are all um, they're all they're it's they're all different body types, different ethnicities, different um, different. Um, uh, they're all different and unique, but they're um, they're all beautiful and they're all so full of like joy and happiness. It's 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 really a positive sort of experience. Like they're they're so sexy and so much fun and so they're just um, you know and they they're truly from the culture. Like they love the um, the the pop culture. I think references that they're making. They're you know like they're huge fans of. Like I said, Rick and Morty, or um, or Handmaid's Tale, or they feel like really empowered by um, by these things, and um, so it's it's really fun, unique night um, that's sexy, and um, I recommend bringing somebody that you love or at least like a lot <laughs> because <laughs> it's um, it's a fun. Um, positive mood setting experience. Well, Center Stage is a fantastic venue uh, for for anybody that hasn't been there. I highly recommend it, it's it's going to be great for this event. And uh, me and the wife are going down there, possibly just getting a room and stand downtown. Uh, if if uh, what you're saying is correct, I think that's the right move. Yes, that that would be the correct move. <laughs> but. Uh, I, I think, is there anything else uh, you wanted to put over or talk about with the website or with the tour? Um, no, I feel like everybody should become members of the site and everybody should come see the show because it's it's really like a fun, unique night that you're not likely to have. It's not an experience that you're likely to have anyplace else. And, um, you know, all of the members are so positive and all of it. Like, it's just, it's you just feel the love being in, in the um in the room. So hopefully everybody will come out and have a great experience and then they can join the website and reconnect with all the people and meet people like them around the world. And and I will say for, for any of the listeners who haven't actually been to the Suicide Girls website, it is a positive experience. What you're saying about the live show being positive and, and uh, encouraging the website is the same way. It's, it's not, you don't get on there like Facebook or Twitter or whatever. It's a different experience. It's fun. Uh, it's, it's beauty. It's people celebrating, uh, humanity and the differences in humanity. And I, and I love it for that. Thank you. Exactly. You know, I feel like that's, um, that's, it brings people together. Absolutely. You know, our, our only, our rule is that you have to be, you don't always have to agree, but you have to be respectful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, Missy Suicide, thank you so much for coming on the Needless Things podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, 
I can't wait to see the show this year and see what you guys have in store. Thank you. I'm so excited to hear what you think about it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. What a sweetheart and what a cool lady. For any, anybody new here, which I would imagine I'm going to get some new listeners off of this one, if you like our opening music, then you need to check out some more funky Gigglebox butt beats at lesexoflex.com because that's where that music came from. And if you liked our interstitial music, which is the music that happened between my introduction and the interview, then check out mysterymenofsurf.com. Those guys play some awesome surf-infused rock and roll, and uh, they're good friends of mine. They're great. You should check them out online. Check them out on Facebook. And there you go. There's there's the plugs. I guess one more plug that I should have done in the intro, but I'm doing now. If you go to needlessthingspodcast.com, every single Friday there is a new episode of the Needless Things Podcast where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. You can also, if you enjoyed this show, go to NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, turn off your ad blocker, and in the top right of the front page, there is a big old square for Amazon.com. Now, we all use Amazon, right? Right. So go to NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, click on that Amazon square, and order yourself something. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. And if you do it through that square... Needless Things will get a little kickback that helps us with operational costs over here. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It is the easiest way for you to help Needless Things because uh, hosting isn't free. And pictures on the website. Yeah, there's other stuff on that website too. Articles uh, every single week about all the stuff we like to talk about. Uh, we We don't repost tweets. We write real articles. And remember... I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.